0: This is the mighty Manfred. I am so honored today to be speaking with Alice Cooper. Hi, Alice. How are you? Manfred, how
1: are you doing, buddy? I listen to you all the time.
0: <laughs> oh, yes. Keeping it in the garage. So I don't know if I got my numbers straight here, but I think Paranormal is like your 27th album, right? Including uh, the album. album. Wow, yeah. man. Yeah.
1: Rock and roll has been pretty good to you overall, right? You know what, if you, if you keep it rocking, I think you can go on as long as you want to go. Uh, our band has always been, I'm, you know, I'm born in Detroit, so uh, DN, my DNA is, is guitar rock, and uh, I'll never, ever move away from that. It, it just every once in a while, you catch, you catch a break, and uh, you know this album just seems to be taken off, so it's, I'm very, very proud of it, yeah. Oh, man, well, it's all started with the earwigs and a talent show, Right. Yeah, well, we were in high school, we you know, 15 years old, and I'm painting the house, and it's summertime, and all of a sudden I hear on the radio, she loves you, yeah, 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 and it stopped me cold, you know, and, and that was my beginning of my love with the British invasion right there. So we started a band immediately at 15 years <laughs> old, you know, and it was the guys, Dennis Dunaway, and, you know, who ended up being in uh, the original Alice Cooper band. Right. And uh, so, I mean, we. Just, I'm, I, I call myself a lifer. I'm like you. I'm a lifer.
0: Well, you mentioned uh, you tuning it to the underground garage. Being in the underground garage, and then so first, uh, I guess the earwigs. My understanding is it's like a, a talent show sort of thing. But then you formed with uh, Dennis. You had the spiders, and as a garage band, you put out a couple of records before the Alice Cooper band, right? A couple of singles, at least.
1: You know, I was I was absolutely shocked the other day. A uh, kid, Leo, played "Don't Blow Your Mind." by the Spiders. And it was like number two in Phoenix. I mean, it was a big big record in Phoenix, but you talk about garage rock. That song was pure garage rock. I mean, we wanted so much to be the Yardbirds, you know, that we, we everything that we we touched tried to sound like the Yardbirds, and that was as close as we could get.
0: <laughs> well, you know, off the new album, uh, the track is our, that's our coolest song in the world this week, Genuine American Girl. And uh, does Dennis play on that track, along with Neil Smith and Michael Bruce? Are they all on that one?
1: Yeah, the original guys, you know, I mean, the great thing about the, the original band was when we did break up in 1974, it was after like seven albums in a row that were like huge albums, and right after Billion Dollar Babies and School's Out and yeah. Killer and Love It to Death, all those albums, we just wore out. I mean, we never took time off at all. And, um, but we didn't break up with any bad blood. You know, there was, nobody was uh, angry with anybody. Nobody was, uh, no lawsuits. Everybody stayed. It wasn't a divorce as much as as it was a separation. So when we, when, when I took off and did Love It, uh, uh, Welcome to My Nightmare and went on, we stayed in touch all the time. So it was no, it was no big, it didn't feel like a stretch of imagination to get Mike Dennis Neal in the studio in 2017 and say, let's just play live. Let's just play this, these new songs we wrote live and see if it sounds like Alice Cooper, 1974.
0: Well, yeah, I think that track uh, especially. And then there's one other one on the on Paranormal, I guess it's maybe it's a bonus track, You and All Your Friends. That's another cut with, the, uh, with, uh, with Neil with the and Dennis. With the original band, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And, you know, so, the, guys, the guys play exactly the same way they played before. Dennis is one of the best bass players in rock and roll. And uh, Neil Neil... And Keith Moon used to do drum-offs against each other all the time. And so, yeah, Mike was just one of those great, uh, you know, John Lennon type of hook players. So, you know, I mean, it just was very natural in the studio. It felt great.
0: Well, a friend of mine has told me that um, those guys, you did a show in Nashville recently, and after you get, uh, the guillotine comes down, you know, the curtain falls, curtain comes back up, and then those guys were on stage with you, and then you played several songs uh, with them and then uh, my friend also told me that uh, the plan is that those guys will be touring you'll be touring with your current band and the older band uh is that right
1: yeah through just through britain we're gonna try it in uh, in england yeah england was the uh, were, were the first guys that really discovered alice cooper i mean they were the first ones that really got what we were doing and people thought we were a british band actually because the <laughs> band broke over there i think before they broke over here and so I said, if we're going to do this, let's do it only in England just to see how it works. So, you know, they cut up my head and my, my touring band is unbelievable. They're, they're one of the best right. bands I've ever seen in my life. And as soon as the curtain comes down, they're expecting me to come out and do the encore schools out in 18 and all that right. Curtain comes up and it's the original band. And we do not, no more Mr. Nice guy, billion dollar babies, um, a genuine American girl. Uh, and school's out, and uh, the audience, you know, they're getting like two shows in one right then. Right. You're going to try that out in the U.K., and then you're going to do it here, right? Well, you know, as as far as I'm concerned, I would love to do it. I I think it's a great idea, you know, because those guys are as viable as they've ever been. They play great, you know. know And the great thing is about these guys is when you play, when I sing with my, with the band, uh, you know, my touring band, Mm-hmm. It's pretty crisp and it's really sharp and it's, you know, when I sing with the, with the original band, it's darker, it's dirtier, it's, it's just everybody says you sing differently and it's a different feel all the way.
0: Oh, that's very cool. That, now, the track, Genuine,
1: Genuine American Girl, what I love too about
0: it is that, um, man, with all your songs. Writing, both the bands and afterwards, there's just this great uh, sense of humor to it, <laughs> and uh, so often I feel like that's something that's that's missing in rock and roll and and it's, it's something hard to work because a lot of people will get uh, be quite pretentious about what they consider to be their their art, and uh, you know a lot of contemporary rock related music is so humorless, you know it's like, I'm just going to beat my head with a hammer or something, you know please. Um so what what's the role it's of uh, humor to you in, in rock music?
1: You know, I tell you what it is. I've noticed that the, a lot of the newer sound right now is very introverted. Yeah. You know, it's sort of like they a lot of the younger bands don't have swagger. They just don't have the uh the attitude, like the Guns N' Roses, Motley Crue. you know, I mean those bands walked up on stage, they were rock stars. You know, and our generation Alice Cooper Bowie, and you know you walked on stage and you you had to have a uh, you had to have a look, you had to have a walk, the whole thing. Uh, the funny thing about that song in particular, was when we wrote it, it was, "I want a genuine American girl," and I told neil and, and Mike, I said in nineteen seventy two would we have said that we would have said, "I want to be a genuine American girl <laughs> just to piss off the parents, right right. So let's go with that one.
0: <laughs> with, uh, what's, one more thing, I guess about the uh, the older band and Dennis in particular. Now he is listed as a co-writer on the track "The Sound of A." And my understanding is that song actually dates back to the uh, to the '60s, the late '60s uh, at least. Is that right?
1: It was the craziest thing in the world. He, you know, Dennis brought in a couple of songs, and I listened to him, and he says, "I want you to hear this one." And he puts it on, it's an old tape, and I listen to it, and I go, wow, Dennis, I remember you wrote that song in 1968, 67, and he says, well, you got the time right. He said, but you wrote the song. I said, what? <laughs> and he says, you wrote, the, you picked up a guitar, you went in the other room. Uh, I might have been smoking something at the time. And, um, and I, I came back out with this song that with the chords and the melody and the, and the verse And the whole thing, he says, you wrote this song in 1967 or 68. He says, and it was at a time when Pink Floyd was staying at our house because they Uh, ran out of money and we ran out of money. So we were all living together in Venice, California. And so it does have a little Pink Floyd kind of feel to it. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's so funny. I wrote that song 50 years ago and Bob (laughs) Ezrin heard it and he goes, hey, what is that? That's really cool. And I said, "Oh, Bob, it's a song I wrote like you know 50 years ago." And he goes, "Well, we got to do that song. It's great." Well,
0: right, it's timeless. Great rock and roll is timeless. You mentioned mentioned uh, uh, Bob. So um, now you first worked with him. Was it love with, uh, with uh, on love it to death? And uh, you've continued yeah, to work with him and the rest of the band. Yeah. You know, over the rest of that band's tenure, and then also when you went solo, what's what's Bob got that keeps you guys working together?
1: you know bob is my george martin bob is the kind of guy that that he, he took the original band and uh, what george martin did with the beatles he took all that rock that talent and put it into a package that worked you know that was something that, that we we had the hooks the band was great the image was great we just didn't have that radio sound we didn't know how to arrange it to make it you know to put it on the radio bob came in and he says okay we got to just chop this up take that out put this in but uh, you know he arranged it so that it could actually be played on the radio 18 he kept going dumb it down dumb it down dumb it down till finally it was so basic you know uh, the song 18 that when you heard it on the radio it was powerful being really basic yeah we didn't get that we it took us a while to get that but but we learned from him bob ezra now even if I'm not working with Bob, if I'm working with David Foster, if I'm working with Roy Thomas Baker or somebody like that, Mm -hmm. I still write 10 songs and send them to Bob. And then he does the, you know, the sort of the, uh, the B section is not strong enough or the choruses. It doesn't pay off, sends it back to me and I fix it. So I've been working with Bob for since the very beginning. Uh, Love it to death, I think was the first Alice Cooper album, really, because pretty for you, and Easy Action were songs that we wrote when we were the Naz. You know, not not Todd Rundgren's Naz, but, you know, we were called the Naz then. Uh-huh. So Love It to Death was actually the first songs that we wrote as Alice Cooper. I didn't know that.
0: I, you know, I'm, uh, also I'm a Vincent Price fan. I'm Vincent, a fine first name, as you know. Um, and I, actually, I, his uh, museum, his art museum is real close to my house. It's just got kind of funky hours, so I haven't been able to get over there. And he appears on your album, Welcome to My Nightmare. Or You guys also did a TV show together. I was wondering, did Vincent Price ever come to any of your shows? Seems like he would have enjoyed the theatrics.
1: He actually was in Welcome to My Nightmare. The very first two times we did the show, we Uh did it up in Tahoe. You know, it's sort of like off-Broadway. You know, we took it to a (laughs) place to, to try it out. And we did it up at the Sahara Hotel in Tahoe. And he did the show with us. So he came on stage and did the uh, the spider, you know, museum thing, uh, you know, uh, and it was unbelievable to have Vincent Price on stage with us. You know, can you imagine how cool that was? <laughs>
0: oh yeah, I mean, my mind is especially when I think of the uh, for yourself the theatrics that you bring to the uh, bring to the performance. I, I would have
1: to think it would be totally, totally into that. Oh, are you kidding? It was, and he was so much fun. Let me tell you, um, he was one of those guys that, you know, we, we sat there and we said, we need a voice that everybody's going to understand. That's going to, a classic voice that when you hear it, you know who it is. And we, you know, we were thinking Boris Karloff and this and this. And I said, well, really the only guy is Vincent Price. <laughs> and we said, we're never going to be able to get him. We we called him up. We got his number. And I, and I called him up, and I said, uh, hey, listen, I'm doing this thing called Welcome to My Nightmare. I've got this curator for a spider museum, and he says, when do you want me there? And he shows <laughs> up, and he rewrites part of it, and yeah. then he he did the video with us. He did the full-length video of Nightmare with us. He recorded with us. He actually sang a couple of songs that never made the album with us, and... We did it live with him. So he was part of the band for about a month. Wow, that is cool. You know, our um, program director
0: here in the Underground Garage, Kid Leo, he is, uh, well, he's got quite a passion for golfing. And I've always heard you do as well. Is that true? Is that uh, golfing a main sport or hobby?
1: I play six days a week, I play every day. But, you know, I started playing golf when I quit drinking. And that was my trade off. I had to, you know, I had to find an addiction that wasn't going to kill me. And uh, every other addiction I had was killing me. So I finally stopped everything and I found, I found golf. I was a good baseball player, so I figured how hard could golf be, you know? And I got addicted immediately. And you gotta be careful about golf because it's sort of the crack of sports. Once you, <laughs> once you hit a good shot down the middle, you, you are addicted to it. And you'd be surprised who plays. Bob Dylan plays, Neil Young plays, Iggy Pop plays, Lou Reed played when he was alive. Uh All the guys that you would never expect to play golf are the guys that play golf.
0: Well, you know, I've never played golf, but I'm thinking maybe that uh, I used to be pretty fearsome with a putt-putt and mini-golf, but somehow I don't think that's very helpful with real golf, is it?
1: Well, that's where all the scoring is, is in putting. But, I mean, you still have to get the ball to the 350 yards down the fairway. (laughs) So you've never played with Kid Leo, though, have you? Oh, yes. Many times. Really? In Leo has got the most interesting. He does a little weird little dance before he hits the ball.
0: And I can't I even explain it. That, I do not find that surprising, Alice. <laughs> a it's
1: it's weird the, strangest, yeah, it is the strangest little thing you've ever seen. He goes back and forward and back, and then he hits it pretty good. He's a pretty good player.
0: So I have a, here's a question I've always heard. Something about the to the effect I know that so when the band ended and you said you know for the most part it, I guess now we would refer to it as uh, going on hiatus right you you mentioned instead of the divorce or the separation I think the term now is hiatus but you yeah. continued on and you uh, adopted the band's name as as the stage name as your as your solo uh, performing name is there was some kind of licensing thing with that do you like you, license you know the
1: we never really I, I heard that myself, and, you know, I don't do any business at all. I've been with Chef Gordon 48 years, my manager. Shep, you know, managed the original band, and he's been managing me. We've been together 48 years and still don't have a contract with each other. And <laughs> I always let him do the business. I said, however you want to do it, Shep, I don't do business at all. I write songs and I perform. I said, so you take care of the business. If there's a licensing thing, that's cool. I could care less, you know. Like I said, the band, Dennis, Neal and Mike and I are, have always been close friends. Yeah. And uh, I would never let money get in the way of, of that friendship. You know, what happened was the fact that I wanted to go on and do more theatrics. And right. I think the band was at, sort of hit a wall, you know, and just kind of went, we need to take a break. And I was too stupid to not take a break. You know, so I just kept going. And the Nightmare Show almost killed me. It was the hardest thing I ever did in my life, but the most satisfying. And, uh, I, I, you know, that's really when I should have gone into the hospital for alcoholism. But I just kept going. And it finally did put me in the hospital.
0: Well, I want us to get back to uh, paranormal. And I want us to take a listen to Holy Water. And I let, really love the horns on there. Uh, got this imagery of the full immersion right going down to the river of love this love bab- yeah. baptismal sort of thing what what's the story on holy water how'd you guys uh, how'd you come up with that song and, and decide to record it
1: nine times out of ten we write everything we go into yeah. the uh fact we did uh, bob and i and uh tommy denanger and tommy and my guitar player we got in a room started writing hooks started writing great songs we ended up over at Johnny Depp's house because Johnny was making movies and in LA we wrote most of it over there at his oh. studio. And um, and then this song came in. This guy sent this song in and it was holy water but it was had a whole different storyline and I said I love this song cuz it sounds like something from New Orleans. It mm-hmm. sounds like uh, like a like a, it would be one of those you know where they see the funerals in New Orleans yeah. with everybody walking down the street doing the, right. I said, I love that feel, but I need to apply it to Alice somehow, mm-hmm. you know. And so the, the whole idea of, you know, black cat, black hat and a walking cane, I kind of described Alice. Right. And then going down the, the river of love, you know, there is a religious side to Alice Cooper also, you know, being Christian. And right. I, I just liked the combination. But to me, it was more like, you know, like you said, the horns and the, the feel of it was this sort of really happy Pentecostal meeting of some sort. And it was so opposite of everything else we were doing. I said, this is going to sound great on the album because it's, it's got its own life. It's got its own feel. Yeah. Do you do that one live at all? We haven't done this one live yet. We're just actually, right now we're doing Paranoid Personality on stage. And we're just starting to do... Um, the Billy Gibbons thing that we did, uh, yeah. And, and also we're, they're learning right now. They're learning uh genuine American girl. So we're, we're going to kind of rotate songs into the set, uh, right now that we're, while we're on tour, this band is so good. They could learn a song a day and we could just rotate the songs in. So I think the next one is genuine American girl that we're going to be, uh, we're going to be putting in the show.
0: Well, I'm glad you mentioned, uh, we're going to play, um, Holy Water in a Moment, but uh, I'm glad you mentioned fallen in Love, because uh, that's another one of my favorites uh, on there. And, and you know, the, so as I heard fallen in Love and I Can't Get Up, you know, I was thinking, oh, my God. I, in fact, I miss, misthought it. I thought it was the clapper, you know,
1: but. That's where it was built. It was built right on that. I kept watching that commercial. I've fallen <laughs> and I can't get up. And I kept thinking I've fallen in love and I can't get up. It had a rhythm to it, you know. Oh, that's brilliant. Wrote the song and, and it sounded like a Texas Roadhouse boogie song. You know, it, it, it was a hard rock guitar song. And we looked at each other and said, Billy Gibbons. Yeah. I mean, there was nobody that was going to play this song better than Billy Gibbons. We called him up and I said, Billy, I said, look, you know, I said, uh, listen to this and tell me if you like it. He says, I got the flu, Alice, but this song makes me feel better. And he, he did two takes of it, sent it back, and he was perfect. You see It was the perfect take. So, I mean, it was like built for him.
0: Man, excellent. So, Alice, uh, man, thanks so much for taking time with me today to speak with me on our Coolest
1: Conversations. Hey, man, you know what? I do listen. I have your, your station is on my, my car at all times. And so I'm listening to Bar in the Morning, and I'm listening to Stevie, and I'm listening to you, Leo, all the guys. So say hi to all the boys for me, all right?
0: I certainly will. I certainly will. And right now, here's Alice Cooper's Holy Water off of Paranormal Little Stevens Underground Garage.